0: to pick up where uh, Ginny left off, actually. Um, I can't remember if I've shared this before, but where I worked in North East London um, as a doctor for 30 years, I covered the largest Jewish congregation in, um, in Europe at the time. It's not it's not any longer, but it was certainly when I started. And I always felt that it was God's providence for me, because I loved it. I've, I counted it, and still do, count it as a tremendous privilege to have looked after. Keep talking. Um, the this um, group of uh, Jewish people um, over many, many years, and I had loads and loads of patients who were Jews. And, um, of course, I heard their stories. The most recent one that I heard was uh, a man I looked after until only a year ago. He was in his 90s, and he used to weep. When he used to come in to see me, because he, he knew I was a, a Christian, and I shared to him with him why I was so interested and so loved the Jews, and um, he uh, experienced. He used to tell me the story every time I saw him, actually, about Kristallnacht. Oh yeah, the
1: night of shattered
0: glass, so, the of shattered glass when the German Nazis went in. And uh, took many Jews and and went into their houses. And this particular patient of mine, he was 12 at the time, and his uh, brother was 16, and he never saw his brother again after the age of uh, after after Kristallnacht. And it's imprinted on his soul forever. And his parents died in Auschwitz. And these things become really, really real. The horror of it. And, you know, you have a man in his 90s that weeps still. Weeps and weeps and weeps. We have no idea. Woo, of the. We have no idea of the uh, spiritual impact on the nation that, uh, you know, the Holocaust had. And it's almost... I, I cannot believe that there are people to this day that are Holocaust denials. You will have seen the film, I'm sure, about David Irving, one of the most infamous, should I use the term, uh, historians of the recent age, still alive. And there's a film made about his um, loss in the courts. Uh? Yeah, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he was a Holocaust denier, and he was challenged by uh, um, a professor of um, history in an American university, I forgot which one, and um, she was um, she was a Jew, and she won, and it completely disgraced him. Hallelujah. I'm just
2: trying to get the volume right for Ian, so we can
0: all hear. Oh, sorry. No, no. And everyone here, okay. So what a wonderful meeting this morning so far, eh? Amen. And the presence of the Lord and the wonderful music that we're Thank hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We love you. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, as we were praying, th- these uh, I just thought this, this this verse means so much to me. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God and I'll also write on him my new name. Isn't that incredible? You see there is an age to come that's right there is an age to come and just very very briefly that age to come is written in heaven would you believe it's written in the stars astrology has corrupted the truth like it always does it always takes a measure of the truth and sort of distorts it a bit but the new age to come is written in the stars and i will quickly tell you why okay so just imagine the earth and the heavens rotate around us very very slowly If we take that figure of imagination, in fact, it takes 27,000 years nearly to rotate. If you're looking east from Jerusalem on the spring equinox, okay, you will see currently the constellation Pisces. By the way, that is true. That is of God, That is not astrology. That is of God. And we are coming to the end of that age. So it's written in heaven that if you look east from Jerusalem very, very soon, you will see a new constellation which speaks of a new age. Did you know the Bible always talks about of the age to come? Did you know in Hebrew, an age was about 2,000 years? Woo! Where are we now? There is a new age coming. It's written in heaven. It is everywhere before us. The signs, the times that we're in. Speak of something dramatic that is happening. Can't you feel it? When you walk about, you feel there's something going on in the spirit realm. There's a mighty move coming. It's awesome. Yes. And we are part of that. And that is why when Andy speaks about we're no longer talking about church. We are talking about kingdom. 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 Yes. Amen? Yes. We're talking about kingdom. And I said again, church is only mentioned four times in the gospel, kingdom is mentioned 100 yes. times. Yes. That speaks of what Jesus is important to ascribed to that word. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. So we are on the brink of something. It's everywhere before us. It doesn't matter where we look. We can look literally in the heavens, yeah? We can look in the political sphere, yeah? Trump being one of those mighty men that is being used by God. A King Cyrus, if you will. We can look in the military realm. Look at the shaking that is going on in the military around the world. We can look at the socioeconomic realm, the West is dying on its feet at the moment. Why is that? Become anti God. Anti God. That's right. So we're living, if you will, in the time of the four seals. That's right. It's my view. Yeah. The fifth seal, by the way, is the martyrs. It's already started. That is what it's already is started. already started. It's been broken. Hallelujah. So I just felt moved today to talk about. Because there's all this jarring and there's movement and there's just everything's happening. Everything's up in the air. It's in the spirit realm. We're seeing manifestations of the Lord everywhere. We're seeing angels come in like never before. I remember, you know, I've never, I've never had this, but when I got up to talk at the conference that we held here, I saw Revelation 19 there. I saw the white horse with the Lord on it. Yeah. Because he's come in on a white horse, and this white horse, I can tell you, was magnificent. (laughs) Beyond magnificent. You know, it's exciting. It is. We've got to stir our hearts and be full of passion yep. for him yes. and fall in love with him That's in right. a way we have never done yes. before. Amen? Amen? So come, Lord Jesus, come. Yes. Amen? Amen. Yes. You know, people kind of are born with kind of things over their lives yeah and those things over their lives can be in the spirit realm in the emotional realm and in the physical realm we're all born like that and we all love the Lord but you know when I got born again there was something imprinted on my heart that I cannot cannot shake off and that is to do with revival and I will define that a bit in a moment But you know, I just was reminded this morning, I hope my dear wife will not, will, will forgive me for this. But you know, we've had a supernatural history. You know, God is supernatural. When He shows up, He shows up. Yeah? And so I make no excuse for this, in a sense, Denise. But, you know, when Smith Wigglesworth spent his life talking about testimony of what happened to him, and I'm going to do a bit of that this morning because I want us to be encouraged. When we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, Denise, we were in our bedroom, and um, we had a man, a doctor, actually, praying for us. And he prayed for Denise, and I kid you not, when the Holy Spirit fell on Denise... I heard this, literally, as the Holy Spirit just fell on Denise. And Denise went, oh, I've just been cleaned as if I've been vacuum cleaned. Is that not right? It is. is. (laughs) You know, we have a supernatural God, don't we? He comes and he purges and he cleanses and he wants to fill us with his spirit. And I think we encountered the supernatural power of God that day, both of us. Awesome. I've never forgotten it. It showed me that God is real. God is supernatural. God is love. And God can do anything. And he created you and he created me. Amen. Amen. And since that day, I believe it's that day, I had revival imprinted in my heart just long to see revival now i just want to in fact i'm not going to define revival i'm just going to tell you what one person called revival a community saturated by the presence of god okay that's revival it's being saturated that's right. with god Good definition, that one. it just god just lands on a place or a people just saturates the atmosphere and we can talk about that. But, you know, I longed, and I, I, I hope I can say this to myself. I, in those early days, maybe um, 20, 25 years ago, I really felt I was a God chaser. I'm a God chaser now, but I was a God chaser. I longed to see where God was moving. Longed for it. Chased around it. And one particular day we heard that someone from Holy Trinity Church Brompton was going to speak in the local Anglican church. We were actually in a different church. We were in the house church movement and, and actually have stayed there ever since. We, we've been in, in, we were in the same church for nearly 30 years. But there was something about that that quickened my spirit and I could not go. But I'd heard about the move of the spirit. But Denise went to that meeting. I was driving, I remember to this day, I was driving to Cambridge, I had to go to a meeting. And in the car I started laughing. The Holy Spirit came on me and I was laughing in the car. It got better, I got to the meeting, and the medical meeting, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I was in my seat and I was looking at this serious, latest you know, research on this particular gene or this particular trial. And I was just laughing. And I just couldn't stop laughing. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit just met me there. And that made me really hungry. Really hungry. I then got three dreams. The first dream was of water. I think I told you this the other week, going down a mountainside. And I could see the cleansing power of this water. And I woke up and I heard it in my room. I heard it in our bedroom. Outside, I heard the water. I knew it was the power of the Holy Spirit. I had a second dream. I was in the church at Toronto and I was seeing the power of God fall. I had a third dream and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, Ian, I want, to dress, I want to bless this church again. And I knew that meant our church. I went to Toronto. I absolutely went to Toronto. Second night, I decided I was really hungry for the Lord. I thought I'm going to be a catcher. I am going to catch every. Th- I'm not going to wait in a line. I did that the first night. I did... Um, get touched by the Lord but second night I'm going to be a catcher so and I was only 40 then so I had lots of energy I could run around and all these people and, and so I just got um, behind these people and the, this guy started praying for the people in the line and for those who did. I learned a lot huge amount for those people who could not receive the Holy Spirit would go woof woof and hit me and so I got completely saturated in the Holy Spirit And that's how it happened. And on about the third night, I was so full of the spirit that um, I did one of these... I was in the restaurant and the Lord just fell on me and I went straight under the table. (laughs) And there were people at the same time being knocked over by the Lord in the foyer. I mean, this you can't stop it. When God does something, he does something. We got home and uh, the... Our family on the first night, well I think I've told you about my daughter Sarah who asked me to pray for her and said don't, uh, I don't want to go to bed without you praying for me. I let her go to bed, I was very tired but in the end I got her out of bed, prayed for her, bang she was on the floor. And she couldn't get up, this is a nine year old, could not get up off the floor. Her face was like an angel, she was radiating the Lord, she was crying and weeping at the same time, couldn't move, we had to carry her to bed. All my other kids, Caroline Jonathan, were on the floor. Denise was on the floor under the power of God. You know, revival hit our house. Times are refreshing. They use the term times of refreshing. It then hit our church. It hit the school. We had kids all over the place on the floor in the school, touching, seeing God, having visions, having dreams. You know, the adults were on the floor. We had meetings that were going on till midnight, one, two in the morning. We were carrying people out. You know, so full of the Lord. It was an incredible time of refreshing. We fell in love with Jesus. We had many people coming from other churches coming to us to hear and listen and feel the touch of the Lord. It was was a, a time of intense activity. That was something that has stayed with me because I long for revival. I was a God chaser. I went to Pensacola. Watch the fire of God fall there. I then went to Houston, Texas. This is because I was at another medical meeting, and one night I sneaked out to go to Houston, Texas. Who's read a book called The God Chasers, by the way? Tommy Tenno. So the first chapter in that book, he talks about a um, church where the pastor got up to preach one morning, and a power of God fell on a pulpit like this and split it right in half. Literally split in half. The pa- the pastor who stand like that got blown twelve foot back. Literally blown by twelve foot back. They had several meetings in the morning, and the um, people driving towards the car park started getting touched by God. Could hardly steer their cars, yes. and they had an amazing healings out. I have you been healed. Amen. So I yes. I have seen this pulpit in half. I went there. I talked to the people there. It it was just such a sovereign move of God. Such a sovereign move of God. But do you know what? We need hungry hearts. Amen. Is your heart hungry? Yes. Are you full of the Lord? Yes. Do you want nothing else but him? Yes. Do you want to see him move in our midst? Yes. And let him tell you, I tell you, when I remember at the first conference I was at last year, I saw the angel here, you've heard me say this before, but I've got to say it again. He had a baton. In his hand, this baton like this in his right hand. And I knew it was the baton of revival that had been given to Wesley and Wigglesworth. I knew it was the same baton and the same angel. The angel came over here, Heidi was there, and he presented the baton. That's what the angel did. See, the Lord wants revival here. And what what are the conditions for revival? Well, we'll talk about that later. Don't let me forget that. But before we go on, I want us to listen to this, Andy, if that's okay. We're going to just do ten minutes of something called the Revival Hymn. Who has heard of the Revival Hymn? Oh, that's great. Only Denise and Andy and Heidi. Let's play it. Just ten minutes.
3: The church of Jesus Christ is
1: largely sleeping, like a great bedroom, and you have all the Christians
3: in bed, and they're all sleeping, and they're saying, please, don't wake me up.
1: I want to sleep on. And of course, when God starts to operate a revival, people cannot sleep. You can't sleep in
3: church when the Spirit of God awakes the people. Look at the first verse of this 52nd chapter. Awake! Awake! Put on strength! Wake it up, you sleepy Christians! Awake all the sleepers! Arise from the dead! Rise!
4: Oh, Keep this in mind from an old man. There's no finality to the Christian life this side of eternity. We pray that some of us may go to our own funeral tonight and die to self and end all the failure and all the weakness. Why should a person come to the cross? Why should a person embrace death? Christ. Why should a person be willing to go in identification down to the cross and into the tomb and up again? I'll tell you why. Because it's the only way that God can get glory out of a human being. If I were to ask you tonight, you're saved. Do you say, yes, I'm saved? When? Oh, so-and-so preached. I got baptized. And Are you saved? What are you saved from? Hell? Are you saved from bitterness? Are you saved from lust? Are you saved from cheating? Are you saved from lying? Are you saved from bad manners? Are you saved from rebelling against your parents? Come on, what are you saved
3: from? Who shall have the hill of God, who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing of the Lord.
4: And there's no room for him in the inn. He got a bit older. There was no room in his family. His family turned on him. He went to the temple. No room in the temple. The temple turned on him. And when he died, there was no room to bury him. He died outside of the city. Well, why in God's name do you expect to be accepted everywhere? How is it the world couldn't get on with the holiest man that ever lived and it can get on with you and me? Are we compromised? Are we compromised? Are we no spiritual stature? Are we no righteousness that reflects on their corruption? Jesus is from above is above all. You want to say to Christians, don't go around
3: apologizing for him. Don't go around worried because you can't make his doctrines fit in with what you learned in school. All you learned in school was one fallen head instructing another fallen head and you don't have to apologize for him. But
4: as dear Dr. Souls used to say, Len, you knew one thing about a man that was carrying a cross out of the city. You knew he wasn't coming back. Just come to an altar and we go back the next week and we're as fascinated. We haven't spent half an hour with Jesus, but we'll stay those stinking hours in a movie house. And Paul says, that's what the world is to me. It's a system of corruption and rottenness and barrenness. It's anti-Christ from the world go Is the world crucified to you tonight? Or does it fascinate you?
3: Do not need a very much greater conception of how tremendously valuable a true expression of the church is to the
4: Lord. It's priceless. But the Lord give us more of this anguish
1: for His church, as a hope to mend. It will be precious to
3: Him. When God steps out suddenly, men and women. All over the parish Were gripped by the fear of God God are my hands clean Is my heart pure The moment that that happened in the barn A power was let loose in Varvus that shook the whole of Louis. God stepped out. The holy city began to move among the people, and uh, the minister writing about what happened on the following morning said, "This you met God on medieval soil. You met him in the homes of the people." God seems to be everywhere. What was that? Revival? Revival!
5: Not
3: an evangelist, not a special effort, not anything at all organized on the basis of human endeavor, but an awareness of God that grips for the whole community, so much more that what gone, I can remember once, within 24 hours of dressing, eight meetings, crowded churches, there was a dance in progress that night, and while this young man was praying in the aisle power of God moved into that dam. And the young people, over a hundred of them, fled from the dam, and those fleeing from a tree, and they made for the church. So I endeavoured to get up into the pulpit, I found the way blocked was young people who had been at the dance. When I went into the pulpit, I found a young woman, a graduate of Aberdeen University, who was at the dance, and she's lying on the floor of the pulpit crying, Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? God was at work. Twer- Well, that meeting continued until four o'clock in the morning. Mr. Campbell, there must be anything between two and three hundred people at the police station. They're gathered there and some are on their knees. Now, I can't understand this. Now, he, he wasn't in the church yet. But here a crowd of men and women from a neighboring village, five and six miles away, were so moved by God that they found themselves moving to the police station because the constable there was a God-hearing and well-paid man. They were there. And this young man begged of me to go along to the police station. And I went along. And I shall never, never forget what my ears heard and my eyes saw. That morning, young men were kneeling by the roadside. I think just now of a group of half a dozen. One of them, under the entrance of drink, and his old mother kneeling beside him and saying, Oh, Willie, Willie, are you coming at last? Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. Revival has broken out. And Willie today is the parish minister. And from the group of young men who taught the Lord that night, there are nine in the ministry. To the door and see the crowd that see eleven o'clock, Matthew, eleven o'clock. And I went to the door, and there must have been a congregation of between six and seven hundred people gathered. Around the church. And within a matter of minutes, the church was crowded at a quarter to
5: twelve.
3: Now, where did the people come from? How did they know that a meeting was in progress in the church? Well, I cannot tell you. But I know this, a strong village and hamlet. The people came. Were you to ask some of them today what was it that moved you? They couldn't tell you. Only that they were moved by a power that they could not explain. And the power was such as to give them to understand and see that they were hell-deserving sinners. And, of course, the only place they could take off where they might find help was oh, at the church. So that was
0: Duncan Campbell. Talk about him in a minute. Um, but the last great revival in the UK was that revival, 1949. We have not seen a revival like that since 1949. And you see, Denise and I, we were actually God chasers. We've been so influenced by Toronto, Pensacola, visiting churches. We did, when I was at Pensacola, I heard Michael Brown. People have heard Dr. Michael Brown. He's Jewish as well. So uh, he's an awesome guy. And he, taught, he, he spoke a lot about the Isle of Lewis revival. I'd never heard of it. So when I got back to the UK from Pensacola, I'd, and Pensacola, I, people have heard of Pensacola? Huge revival, two, three million people went over a number of years. Toronto, three or four million people went over a number of years. And, 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 and Pensacola revival, uh, you know, people, it was for backsliders. So incredible stories came out of there. It was wonderful. But I came back from... Um, uh, The States, and I came back and I started to read and look at the Isle of Lewis revival because it interested me because people were quoting it, and um, uh, that's okay. (laughs) And um, I wanted to understand it more. So, Denise and I went to the Isle of Lewis, we spent a whole holiday there on the Isle of Lewis. Now, let me tell you about the people who were on the Isle of Lewis. Shall I tell you that it started with a remnant? Amen. Does that surprise you? No. So there'd been several revivals on the Isle of Lewis over 100 years. You know, there's one in 1859, there's 1903, there's at the same time the Welsh Revival in 1904. There'd been one in 1939, just at the beginning of World War II. Many of those men then went into the World War and, and never came back. And so there was a, so there were people praying for revival and you will have heard of this, but there were two famous sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith, 82 and 84. Do you want a ministry that will take you around the world? I tell you, there's no turning back when you are in the Lord Jesus. You take, taken from glory to glory. Never think you are retired. Never. Ever. Amen. There is no such thing as a last season in the Lord. Ever. <laughs> You're just getting started. How many? I've looked at this. How many worldwide ministries started with people at the age of sixty? It's nearly all of them, as far as I can tell. Derek Prince, to name just but one, his worldwide ministry took off at the age of sixty. Billy Graham, Billy Graham, I, yeah. Smith Willsworth, his his worldwide ministry only started at the age of sixty, when it really took off. Because we get taken from one degree of glory to another. We're being prepared, you yes. see. Amen. So there were these two sisters and they were burdened with revival, burdened with it. And they decided they'd start praying two nights a week. One was blind, the other was doubled over with arthritis. They couldn't get out the house. and they prayed every Tuesday and Friday night for hours, praying for revival. They started to hear from the Lord. Directly from the Lord. They summoned the parish priest to tell him that revival was coming and what he needed to do about it. They got a vision of the man that God was going to use as his instrument to bring revival. They named the man. That man was Duncan Campbell. He was, let me tell you about this, he was a man, very humble man. You've heard him speak. This is him speaking. You know, He experienced it. He was used as God's instrument. So he got saved about the age of 11 or 12 when he overheard his father praying. And uh, he then went to uh, home. He was on his way home, went to a house, saw his father praying, left it, went home, saw his mother praying. Ended up getting saved. Uh, Ended up getting married with five kids and he became a parish priest, really, in the Church of Scotland. And he had a little daughter who said to him, Daddy, you used to talk a lot about revival. Why aren't you experiencing him? experience in it. It changed his life, gave up being a parish priest, went to live by faith. And God chose him as the instrument to, to go over to the Outer Hebrides. So just to explain, the Isle of Lewis is the biggest island of the Outer Hebrides, which is north west of Scotland. It's in the middle of nowhere, let me tell you takes you seven hours to get there on a ferry across some of the choppiest water around these British Isles and uh, he was called there sovereignly by the Lord he had an engagement he said no when he was invited he said no a second time and on the third time all his engagements had got um, cancelled so he went yeah okay I'll come and he arrived and the first words that were said to him by one of the Christians was are you walking with God? That was the first word that they spoke to him. Are you walking with God? Well, you know, they'd been praying intensely. There'd been other people been praying intensely. But things started to move. And after about the fourth or fifth night, God started to invade that island. Literally. This was not a man. This was not a worker man. This was a man of God. And you've heard some of it there. You know? There were people being sovereignly convicted in their sleep about where they were walking, where they were. They were convicted of the reality of heaven and hell and of their utter desperateness before a Lord of glory. And they would be crying out for mercy for hours and hours and hours. You know, this was not some little, you know, are you saved? I'll give you a, a bit of a little gospel. This was a deep work of God going on in the people that was sovereign of Him and opened up by praying people.
5: That's right.
0: That's right. Pensacola was started because of praying people, intercession. And I tell you what, in Pensacola, they had intercessors there behind every meeting. The intercessors were seeing what was going on in heaven as the preachers were preaching it. Literally, night after night. On one occasion, it was Fitzpatrick. He was, he was pointing to people and watching blue darts coming out from his finger and hitting the people between the eyes getting sovereignly moved by God that was the power and awesomeness of God it was a holy fear that fell and that's what happened in the Isle of Lewis it was a holy fear you've heard it people go into a dance hall you think and I think what's wrong with a dance hall it's the spirit behind it of course you know there were 200 kids suddenly the power of God fell on them the music stopped literally they ran out of that hall There was only one place they could go to. That was the church. Denise and I have been to that church where the revival started in Barvis. It's a tiny, tiny little hamlet. It's northwest of northwest. It's out and it faces the Atlantic. The wind is so strong there, the trees grow horizontally. That's how fearsome the weather is. You know, people were convicted of their sin. They would walk for hours... In the, in, in the rain and hail and snow, no cars. They'd walk for hours just to get to the church. Miles. Can you understand that? Can you imagine it? We've heard the story on one occasion. And Denise and I went there as well. It's just such a tremendous Privilege to go there. I can remember it now. There was the corner in Barvis. The church is that way. There's the corner which, and that's the road from Stornoway. On this corner, the cottage doesn't exist but now, but that was the cottage where the sisters prayed. Next to it was the police station. And one night, hundreds of people gathered there. They had no idea why, except they had revelation of heaven and hell. They knew hell was their destination unless they got right with God. That is the terribleness of it and the awesomeness of it and the wonder of it. And that same night that I was, uh, I experienced, uh, when Denise was baptized in the Spirit, when I experienced the baptism of the Spirit, God showed me hell. I tell you, it was terrifying you know, it was Moody who preached every Christian should be shown hell for twenty minutes. They'd never be the same again. Ever. We need to have an understanding of what people are saved from. Definitely. And we don't hear this preached anymore, do we? We do not. We hear about you know, fruit teacher, and everything's going to be a blessing, and, and of course things are a blessing, but life is full of persecution for the church. Where has there not been a persecuted church? The most persecuted churches are the ones that move most in revival, by the way. Look at the Chinese church. So in Barvis, they experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit there. You know in Barvis, uh, sorry, in, in the Isle of Lewis, it's famous for Harris Tweed. Did we know that? So Harris Tweed, because the south part of the island is known as the Isle of Harris. It's part of the same island, but it's known as the Isle of Harris. People, so weaving at the time of the 1949 revival was actually the main industry there. And you know one morning they went out and they saw uh, in one of the hamlets and just saw seven men prostrate on the ground under the power of God, crying out for mercy. None of the looms were working. Meetings went on, you've heard it, for hours and hours and hours. There seemed to be no time. People were hardly sleeping. One hour, one and a half hours. And do you know what? They never got tired. That's the supernatural power of God. The singing that came along was singing of psalms. They used to sing psalms all the time, night and day. You know, Duncan Campbell hardly saw his family for about two to three years. And he was in revival, sleeping hardly at all for that length of time. There is a human cost to revival. Are you ready for that? I want to ask us, are we ready for the human cost of revival? It's no more comfy meals when you want them. It's no more sleep when you want it. It's no more work to earn money even. Are you aware of that? The whole thing is you're consumed by a passion and a love for the living God. (coughs) That impregnates you so much. That's all you want. And it never, ever, ever, ever leaves you. When I got so um, full of the Lord through Toronto, if I'm uh, able to say that, I got, it's just God was so gracious to me. If someone came up to me, this happened to me in the hospital, people come up to me, Christians, they go, and they would mention the word Jesus. I'd be grabbing onto the wall to stop falling under the power of the Spirit. So heavy was his presence upon me. It was just all I wanted to do was focus on the Lord. It, it was... It was just consuming. It was just awesome. It was just, the vibrancy of it in my being was beyond description. And it was holy. I went time after time into the most holy place, experiencing the holiness of God. That's why this verse I read out means so much to me. I used to dwell and meditate on I'd rather be be a pillar in the house of my God with my new name. Don't you want that? We have it, of course. We all have it. But you know, revival is something that we need. We can't do without it. We need it desperately. We're in the time of the four seals. Terrible persecution is coming on this land. You and I are being persecuted. It started. But out of that, the glorious light will light and shine more radiant because as the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. We preached on that, didn't we, at the conference. But we must be aware of this hunger that we need in our souls, our deepest souls. You know, when Wesley used to preach... You know, that was the, the, if you like, the biggest revival that's ever hit the UK. Just to let you know, out of the Wesleyan revival is just about everything in our infrastructures that we see. Everything that we see. Our social reform, our banking, our insurance, the end of slavery, the reformed prison systems, our social structures, our education, our health, all came out of that revival. And do you know what? The anti-Christian, anti-Christ spirit in this nation is now trying to disassemble it. It's true. I haven't got time to give you some of the shocking evidence of that. So we need revival like never before. And God is looking for a people who will seek his face more and more and more who are so hungry for the Lord that it becomes their consuming passion. When I challenge me and you, is it our consuming passion? You know, I long, and I believe we'll see it, but that's not to make us complacent. But I know I am going to see the sovereign move where people are going to come in under conviction That's
1: right.
0: you don't need to advertise God right. let me tell you Amen.
1: That's right.
0: never ever do we need to do that because God shows up and when he shows up the people flock yeah. <coughs> and I have had for many years this deep, deep conviction about revival it's been prophesied to me I've seen it And I believe that this church is anointed to see it. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. How is it going to change you? What are you going to do from today that hastens the oncoming work of the Lord? You know, it's shocking, isn't it? What did they say about movies? The inference being is how much time do we spend living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That's what was true of Barvis and the Isle of Lewis. And incidentally, this is another learning point. I talk about learning points. Gosh, catching me from work. Um, But the revival on the Isle of Lewis hit the Church of Scotland, which was liberal in its thinking and its theology, it did not hit the Free Church of Scotland, which was the Calvinistic Reformed Church. And they were the church that were praying for revival. So they were praying for revival and did not recognise it when it hit their island. And as Neville has said, you know, what we have to be aware of is that the last move of God never recognises the next move of God, or hardly ever. That's we have to have very sober and very humble parts and minds before the Lord that we are used. Yeah? God is in this place right now. You know, it's serious. It's sobering. You and I were born for this, you know. We were born for this. Are we passionate for him enough to want it so much that God meets us? If we draw close to God, he'll draw close to us. That's what it says in Isaiah. Yes, we fail, but we come to him and we ask him to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us clean. God, make me a clean vessel. Let's stand up. Andy? I hear that the prayer meetings here are awesome. I hear that there's open heaven here. That doesn't surprise me. Because you're a hungry people. You're hungry for the Lord. There are people going to start coming to this church and they're going to stay here. Because God's showing up here. And it always starts with a remnant. Yes. We're the remnant. We are the remnant. Should we pray together? Yes. Yes. Now, I'm a believer in synergism. Synergism means two plus two equals six. I actually think in the spirit realm, two plus two should equal about 20 million. A sign that we are believing in the power of the Lord is for us to unite by holding hands. Okay? Can we all hold hands? <laughs> we hold hands because we are one in his body. Yeah? And we hold hands because we are saying in unity. Lord, come. Down. Yes, yeah. Lord,
5: rent the heavens, Lord.
0: We want the heavens to rent open. Yes, Lord. Do we not? Yes. Yes. yes, And we can all pray, but I'm gonna pray, yeah?
5: Yes.
0: Lord, 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 we cry out to you this morning. Yes, Lord. We cry out to you with all our body, soul, and spirit. Yes. Lord, and if we can't cry out, we pray for you to help us to cry out. Yes. But Lord, we're desperate for you to come and visit this place. We are desperate to see you move among us. Lord that times of refreshing will come from the Lord we are desperate to see you move in the community around this church we are desperate for you to move in the community around that community, we are desperate to see an open heaven over us Lord, we are desperate to see more of you in our midst we are desperate Lord Lord show us, teach us move us in the things of the Lord, may we go deeper may we forsake those things we're meant to forsake may we grow in you to your glory may destiny be fulfilled in you over us lord in jesus name lord we thank you that we have access to the most holy place lord we behold your glory we behold you we say lord have mercy upon us that we may experience the older wells here's the thing I just remembered it in the spirit realm I saw this looking for the old anointings and old wells this week that's what God you know there are deep anointings in this nation deep 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 anointings arguably as deep as anywhere else in the world except for Jerusalem (laughs) but we have deep anointings Seek them in the spirit realm and uncap the wells, Lord. That will release your spirit from deep within and pour it out from high above, Lord. Lord. That will result in the flood of the power of God over us. In Jesus' name.
4: In Jesus'
0: name.
1: Ian, can you go and pray for the kids? Mm. Mmm.
0: Oh, the children,
1: they're yeah. there. just asked Ian just to go and pray for the kids. But, you know, you've got to remember that in the Bible it mentions 92 times a company called the remnants. You are that company of remnant people. You are that company of remnant people that is God calling for this hour. And I want to say this. God speaks in three ways. He speaks in threes. We know that three is a very, very powerful number. There are three areas of the temple. The Holy of Holies, the inner court, the outer courts. There are three um, people in the book of, in chapter 12 of Revelation. There's the man, child, the woman who goes to the desert. And then there's the rest of the church, her offspring. But I want to read something to you. Because there are three companies of people... In a marriage paradigm, there's the groom, there's the bride, and then there's friends of the bride and the groom. And it says this in John 3, verse 29, And he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. God is going to fulfill his will for this nation and the nations in this world through a company of people of called the remnants. We are that remnant company of people. We are the people that have overcome whatever the world has thrown at us. Some of us have been battered, some of us have been bruised, bruised, and some of us have the scars. But he is calling us to become part of that bridal paradigm. I want to be a friend of the bridegroom. I want to be called a friend of Jesus. So Father, I pray now, put into us and on us your bridal paradigm. That we will be more conscious of you, Jesus, than we've ever been before. Because you are coming for your bride. And the remnant company of people's job is to prepare the bride for a marriage feast. So, Father, I pray now, release the destiny and the calling of this remnant company of people, myself included, Lord, to prepare the bride. Father, I pray, let no one rob one person who has heard this message and the people here that they will not be robbed of their destiny. Lord, do a quick work in us. Mature us like you have never done before. That we grow up, that we have overcome, and we have been crucified with Christ and that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Lord, I pray that over us now. And I, Lord, I ask you now to cover us by your blood. To cover every man, woman and child here with your blood. That as we step out, you will step out with us. And the Lord is saying, what you do in the private, he will elevate into the public. Whether that be good or bad. So, Lord, I pray for you to elevate us now under the power of the Holy Spirit. So we shine for you, Jesus, from this day forth. Lord, you are preparing a body of people for an overflowing tsunami wave of your presence. Do it now, Lord. Heal us, deliver us, help us to overcome. But, Lord, do it. Do it and make it quick. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What you do in private, he will elevate in public. That's what he's going to do. So, Father, do it. Do it. Do it amongst us. In Jesus' name. Get yourselves ready for this. It is coming.
2: Yesterday at the house group, we just had some teaching from Fred Wright exactly about the remnant. It started about speaking about the remnant and the presence of God. I mean, we are the remnant yes, and we're yeah. sowing in this field and some of us are, f- are sowing in different fields. And we have to be about his business. Absolutely. But one of the things that we felt to do by the unction of the Holy Spirit, we ha- uh, he said somebody's got an empty book and it was, it was called um, Sifri Achaim, which is the book of life. And we have I brought it with me today. I don't know why. Anyway, we just felt to write our names down because we wanted righteousness. Everybody was bowed. We desired more than anything holiness. You don't have to write yourself in a book, but we have to write ourselves in his book. We have to be so determined from now on. I mean, just being challenged about the things we watch, the conversations we have. I'm deeply, deeply convicted. And these are the days where we now make it tell every single day he's watching us and the moment we step over that line we have to so move forward again and again so i'm encouraged that the whole of the remnant you know wherever we are all over the world a little remnant everything has started with a tiny remnant and god can do great things with all those who will bow their knee and call on his holiness so thank you Thank you for, co- for bringing that message this morning. That was just absolutely now and perfect. Right. And we've got it. We need to do it. Amen. Um, Go on, sit
1: down, sit down. I just yeah. want
5: to... Um, to sit down? <laughs> uh, confirm what Ian said, because when I was listening to it, I was very interested in all, the, in all the stuff about Lewis. And I was waiting to hear one word, and you said it, and it was stornaway, away. And about between... 30, 32 years ago, um, I'd only just become a Christian and I didn't know anything about gifts, talking, voices, whatever. Nothing at all about listening to God. And I was hoovering my stairs one day and I heard the word "Stornaway," And I told Maureen, because she was the only one I knew at the time, and we, we took it to a church and said, the weirdest thing has happened. I've heard this word Stornaway. What does it mean? I knew nothing about revivals. We took it, but Looking back, I think it, the Lord was looking for somewhere for that word to land, and Amen. he couldn't find it because it wasn't received. And when you said, you actually said the word Stornaway, away, I thought, that's it, Lord, you've found the place you want that revival to land. Amen.